Hi and welcome. I'm Barb. I'm Raffaella. And we are Recovery, Recovery 201. 201. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. It's been a rough week. It's been, yeah, it's been, it's been good though. It's been good? I think so. It's been a really rough week. It's been very busy and very, 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 very hot. I'm excited. It's my birthday tomorrow. No. I know. I'm very Is it tomorrow? No, it's fr- Saturday. The 21. Two days till your birthday. <laughs> it's my baby's birthday tomorrow. I know. She turns 14. No, I don't know no how that happened. No babies. <gasps> so, are you excited for our I'm guest? I'm excited. Today? It's our third guest. I'm super excited. Um, I feel like we're getting a little better. We're getting to know what we're doing. I definitely slightly. feel a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> I until I hear I'm... myself and then I'm like, oh, you're such an immigrant. <laughs> you're an immigrant? That's what you would say? Yes. The way I say things sometimes. You're from Brazil. We I love know. you. It's funny. We're going to keep you. That's good because I am going nowhere. <laughs> For now. So I first met our guest. She's awesome and she's beautiful inside and out. Yes. I don't know much about her story, so I'm very excited to for her to tell it here. And it will be just as for you guys because... Um, I haven't heard much about how she came to recover. I know her from recovery, so I'm excited yeah. to hear it all. Me too. I met Diana. I think we started in separate recovery around the same time, um, about six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, when we come back, we're going to jump right in and get started. Yes. Hi, welcome back. So, um, so today we have Diana. Welcome, Diana. Hi. Hi. Thank you to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to to have you and to hear your story because, like I say, I haven't, I don't think I know too much about you, so I'm excited to see, you know, you came to CR before I did, so. Yeah, I had to pray a little bit about this because I've been very private and it was part of, um, secular, like, uh, recovery. And that's all about anonymity. So right. kind of coming into a new, like, out publicly about things is different. Yeah, it can be it's scary. It's to get used to that. Right. When I first gave um, my testimony, I had these crazy things happen to me. I had, like, sleep paralysis. I, I felt like I was, like, under attack. And I, I was, it was just the craziest thing. And it was, like, the first time I ever would tell my story. And... And that was not that long ago, actually, but it was just so many crazy things happened on like the week prior, you know, because I was praying about it and I was freaking out because, I mean, I know this story, people that I know know this story, but everybody, I felt like I was telling the world, even though mm. it was good because I, I was felt like I have nothing to hide now, you know, like it's yeah. out there. I was just scared I guess of judgment and of people that maybe don't understand and I had a crazy experience just like that so I had been um, you know anonymous for many many years and then um, I come to you know the church environment and then I publicly did like a cardboard testimonial and um, oh that's right you did do that yeah they they uh, stream it and then it's you know on the website so 
I go to work on that Monday. So I did all nine services, you know, so you're up there quite a bit, tons of people, right. Easter, right? How long ago oh, was that? Yeah. A couple years ago. Yeah. So I go to work on Monday. One of my coworkers is playing the service. And I had never, in, in my career, has always been separate from everything else. And so to see a coworker playing that service, I'm freaking out. I go into my editor, shut the door, I'm like, oh, oh no, oh no, oh They're no, gonna I'm exposed. Know. I'm exposed, that's it, I'm done. And, um, you know, the one of the executives had already said, if they have anybody on their staff who ever did drugs, they would not get hired full time. If you're a subcontractor, you know, he had very strong opinions wow. about it. So I'm panicking because I was only a subcontractor. Oh and I'm thinking, gosh. that's it. It's, it's yeah. not, I'm not going to get a full time position here. I'm finished. And so I kept all that inside and I just did my job. And then um, went to step study crying. Oh, and then people were posting pictures on Facebook. Right. And I was just like, what oh did I goodness. do? Like, what happened? What? Why did I trust these crazy people? They're blabbermouths. I mean, I was freaking out. And then, um, so then I finally, after a little bit of time, like, like the coworker, you know, later on, I kind of collected myself and I asked him to come in the edit bay and we we're talking. And I said, you know, I said, I'm just, I said, why are you playing that video here? He goes, what are you talking about? I go, the video you're watching, did you watch the whole thing? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, now I gotta tell you. So I tell him, I go, I'm in there, I'm on the stage. And and then we had a good heart to heart. I like started tearing up, because he was a good guy. He said he didn't realize it was me. So my wow. fear were, right. took over and went bananas. But it actually brought us closer. And then he opened up and shared some struggles in his life. So it kind of, you know, right. God can take a, something like that. Always. Giving me close to a heart attack and turn it into a blessing. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. Well, Diana, share with us what you what you um, are in recovery for. So I've been sober for, clean and sober for 12 years. Um, but it's funny, I was listening to something the other day, and it's, uh, it was a podcast, um, like, I don't know, but... They said, like, if the thing comes easily, if the defect is out easily, that's not the core thing. Right. And I found that to be true. Because, you know, drugs, alcohol, that was boom, like, done. And I, all I knew at that time was that God wanted me sober. And that was, you know, I was obedient. Like, I just, you know, I had nothing to lose, though, because I had nothing. I was done. You know, I was a mess. And Did you um, always have God in your life? No, no, I was, no, it's, God was never mentioned in my home, oh. we didn't in go to a, church. It's funny because I, I was just telling Bart the other day, I don't think the problem was drugs and alcohol. They weren't my problem, my problem, the problem was me. Mm -hmm. Drugs and alcohol, and uh, not alcohol, I, I mean, you know, drugs, though it's my main issue, it's drugs, it was just... A form of escape what was wrong inside you know so when you say that the drugs was easy I mean it wasn't easy because I kept coming back to drugs <laughs> but you know I felt like I was like oh it's it's not because I enjoy the drugs so much it's just a form for me to escape yeah I was on the run from myself right my demons really wow. all those things that were 
um, you know, it's childhood abuse, um, being molested. That's the stuff I was on the run from. Mm-hmm. And I, as um, a child, I was able to go blank, go empty inside, and just be numb on my own. But then by the time I became an adult, I discovered that drugs and alcohol could do that for me because I could do it on my own or I could use this substance to have that same effect and to not feel. That was always my goal, not feel, because I was terrified of my feelings because as a teenager, I had an impression so severe I really thought I was going to kill myself. It scared the life out of me. That was my first prayer was um, because I I thought I was going insane. I was crying for like six-hour jacks. I mean, just... And I was like 17, and I had this idea of how I was going to do it, and, and that's what brought me to my knees, and I prayed, and just said, hey, if, God, if you exist, you've got to help me, because I don't want to die. Uh-huh. And that was my first prayer, and then within a couple of days, I saw a commercial on television for the Army, and a whole piece came over me, and it was like everything stopped, and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, really? Oh, all. so you went... You yeah. went into the army. I I didn't know. Well, there's a lot I don't know about you. So I think this will be my phrase. Oh, I didn't know about that <laughs> for today. So tell me about um, when you got into the military. Is that were you, were you an addict then, or did that happen after? Well, you know, looking back on it, at the time, you know, at that age, I think that there's so much drinking, especially not army. So when How I got old were to, you? Uh, 18. Oh. Okay. So when I got into, um, after basic training, I uh, went to Denver, and the drinking age for like 3.2 beer was 18. They had a grandfather clause, and so fell into that. But um, even in our barracks, it was like dorms, and there's a bunch of 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. So we're all just drinking, and, um, you know, and then, you know, I think about that time of like, yeah, I, I was an alcoholic but didn't know I was because there were things, t- I mean, we all, and I and I collected them, you know, so it's like, you know, birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> so if everybody is an alcoholic, nobody knows they're an alcoholic because sure. they're all drinking at the same right. Right. level. And so that was kind of thing that I didn't notice I got sober is that, well, of course I couldn't detect it. I'm in a crowd of you know, we're all doing the same thing, so it seems normal. It doesn't seem like a net, right? And I that's mean, so funny you say that because, well, and especially if you're not the worst one. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's so a trick of every alcoholic. Find I am somebody worse than you, and then you don't have to face your own stuff. Well, I, think I, know, I know people in my family, they're like, well, but I don't drink like... like I was like, but we're one. not talking about... We're talking about you. Let's talk about you, okay? But no, but it's funny, it's funny yeah. because I always say I was in denial of being in denial. Because mm, I sure. never even, that that was what I did. I did drugs and, and that was my lifestyle. Tell my friends, don't bring your kids around because there are things that they most likely shouldn't be around, <laughs> you know, and this is what I do and I, I you know, I just do it. Why? I, I don't know, just because, you know, and I had like no hopes or dreams or, or anything. I, I just, and I was okay. Mm-hmm. And to a certain point, I was okay. I, I thought I was going to die an addict, and I was okay with that, you know. So I, so when I got arrested the last time and I had to do some time, I was like, oh. And then, no, before that, when my son was born, and I was like, 
oh, maybe I cannot just, like, not do it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was like, oh, and then I got arrested, like, a little bit later, and I'm like, yeah, I think I, I fit the profile, yeah. you know? <laughs> I, think, profile, yeah. I think so. Yeah. So how long were you in the Army? Four years. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so then got out, came back uh, to Vegas, and... Um, I think at that time... Are you from... Were you born and raised in Vegas? No, Florida. Oh. And then we lived in New York, and then we came out to Vegas in 85. Oh. So, yeah, there was, like, not much to Vegas back then. Right. Yeah. So, it's... Uh, yeah, you've seen it come yeah. up, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But it's... Um, yeah, it's funny, like, discovering... Like, I was a surprise... You know, because the drugs and stuff, like, that was always part of whatever music scene I was in, so it seemed okay, and, you know, it's a bunch of us that made it seem okay, because everyone was all right. But then, I was surprised when I announced that I was an alcoholic. Like, that surprised me. Because drug addict, I was able to see, and it's very obvious, like, and I could accept it. But alcoholic was like, wow. That one was the shocker, but then when I looked back on my history, that was the first thing. And and the thing is, I never tolerated it well. Like, I don't know how I could be a, a three-drink alcoholic, but I was, you know. Mm. I didn't buy, there was years where I didn't buy alcohol or have it in my house. Like, so it's a strange thing. And then I heard someone say um, that it's not the amount that you use that makes you an alcoholic or an addict, but it's the way that you do. And that made sense to me. Right, I think um, because not every alcoholic has to be passed out drunk on the floor blacked out in order to be an alcoholic. Right. Or Not every alcoholic wakes up drinking. Or Right, or like I, 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 you know, I, I talk to family members and other people, well, but you know, I only drink on the weekends, but you start Friday at 5 and you won't stop until, you know, but... I don't wake up and need a drink, and so that's the excuse. So mm -hmm. I'm not an alcoholic because, yeah. you know, and, and I don't think we can put it in a box just because yeah. you it's can still be an alcoholic just because it, it, the, you don't have to drink every day in order to be an alcoholic, right. I would say, or a drug mm -hmm. addict or whatever. And know. for me, it's, just, it's all addiction. And, like, you know, because... I took away, there was a point where, okay, stop the drugs, alcohol went up. Take away drugs and alcohol, shopping went up. <laughs> Take away, like, okay, I'm going to get a handle. It's like that game of whack-a-mole. For me, it's my mindset that wants to not deal with my feelings. That's my core issue. And even today, that's the thing. Like I was saying earlier, it's like I can take away the manifestation of it or, you know, calm those behaviors or all of that. But my core issue is I don't like to have uncomfortable feelings. You have to kill the spider. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah. Doing the what is it? What is the word? The I can't cobwebs. Say. Is the the cobwebs. You have to kill the spider. Carlos if you guys haven't read Whitaker. Carlos Whitaker's book, Kill the Spider, you should. He's amazing. The book's amazing, and it Kay. put a whole new light into my head that I I was like. It was 
Awesome. So it was amazing. We could do a whole like I think yeah. we should exactly, do a whole podcast on yeah. that sermon. It's exactly and I'm what going you said. to email him and yeah. uh, I'm gonna have that is he shared he shared have him on he podcast. shared my story on his story. I, I was like, oh my god, Barb, he shared my story that I told it was yeah it was yeah crazy. my spider doesn't want to feel anything still. Yeah. <laughs> so Diana, what was the what do you think the trigger was for your addiction? And, or, you know, like childhood, um, we, I was, so when I was born, I was put up for adoption and, um, I was adopted. So there was, you know, I, all of that trauma is stored in the body. So that separation Mm. from birth mother and not being bonded to a human being, breastfed, all of that. I think that that's scar number one that starts it. Then, you know, I was in a family, um, my, Adoptive father, he was military, so he was TDY a lot. Um, What's my, TDY? Uh, that's a, they have to go on like one-year stints or tours. Of oh. Deployment yeah. and stuff. So, um, and my adoptive mother did the best that she could, but she, um, she was alone a lot. And, uh, you know, when I look back at the history, she was raised by an alcoholic, which I didn't think about that till I started on my journey gotcha. and started looking back, you know, cause I have a lot of animosity, you know, sure. for everything. And I experienced a lot of loss. So there was, you know, loss of the birth parents. Um, the first divorce happened when I was two, the next divorce happened when I was five. Um, then we moved every year. So there was this loss after loss after loss. So I think that was the um, biggest issue for me is all of that loss. Just, um, eventually becoming afraid of getting connected with people or loving mm-hmm. people because if everything does everybody go leaves. in a second then what's the point so i think that the um that abandonment and loss is sense. huge mm-hmm. in in me and um another traumatic thing is when i was so we we planted ourselves in new york for a bit and um and i started to develop like friends like okay year after year so we were there for a good stretch you know so i had two lives i had my home life which um was very unhappy and you know dysfunctional and then i could have my school life and i could be happy i could be so i i learned how to have a dual life really young and so my whole life was school and friends and that was my joy and i and I didn't realize at the time as a child that children can do that. You can split. You can, right. You know, yeah. at school, no one knows what's going on at home because I'm happy. I'm, you know, loving it. And um, you just figured out ways to cope oh, with yeah. different situations. I can relate to that too yeah. because, you know, growing up, I had a lot of dysfunction in my family. Kids are brilliant at that, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm aware of, like how intelligent and I think that's God working in children too it's a protective thing it helped me to survive you know those years but I came home from school one day I was 14 and um, you know everything was normal like I it's like okay finally I could tolerate my home life because I had a a vibrant school life and Mm -hmm. I had friends but then I came home and I was like you know we're we're moving and you're leaving tonight and I don't want you to call any of your friends and I just I felt something inside me break. I went numb. And um, it was like, it was such a shock to my system. I remember that just, it was Broken. really like something just cracked. Yeah. And I went into I feel that catatonic right this second. state. Yeah. 
and left that night and that was it I didn't see any of my childhood friends um, for years that's how we came out to Vegas it was nuts yeah had a lot of trauma and that is a heck of a move from New York to Vegas in the 80s I mean there's no phone there's no Facebook there's no for a kid you know like that's all you knew and it was so sudden, and that can be traumatic yeah. for anybody. And my support system, which was all my friends, that was gone. Right. You know? But there was a lot of that. We had a lot of mayhem. We had a, a babysitter who was um, mentally challenged. So I was probably about five, and she had epilepsy. So my mom and dad would go to work, and we were in West Virginia in a trailer up on this mountain, and she would go into seizures. I'm five, you know, this is our babysitter. I'm grabbing my little brother who's two, running to a neighbor. Um, so it was just, it was a lot of craziness. Wow. Yeah. So it's hard to pinpoint one thing. I think it was just sure. chaos. I, know. Chaos. I think my temperature, my thermostat was just set to chaos. Uh, so when I found chaos in the life, then that made sense to me. That was like my temperature. Oh, right. Okay, I get this. I'm drama. comfortable here. <laughs> yeah. I'm comfortable in drama. You know, yeah. I like. I always like say I'm comfortable in drugs and alcohol. Like, because right. I, I, you know, this is it's, it's my hood. You know, like yeah. I always say, anger. These are my people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I, I had a lot of drama too. You know, my my dad left, and we've. I haven't. I still haven't spoke to him. It those things. It's in the works. Yeah. I I did all my. 12 steps, I did three times so far, and um, I haven't, not not forgive, I think, my dad, but we haven't ever talked since I was eight, I think. Mm -hmm. So I used to blame all my dad, you know, and then my mom would start drinking, and my stepdad, they would fight, I had to stay up, because if I was up, my stepdad wouldn't hit my mom, because he wouldn't do it in front of me. And, you know, so I had to get my sisters ready for school because my mom was, like, drunk and didn't like waking up. So all that stuff I had, like, mm. I was so resentful, you know, when I first came to recover of all that. Oh, yeah. Like, my first um, inventory was just, like, hundreds of pages because... And it was, like, little things like that, but it was just mm-hmm. eating me alive, you know? Well, yeah, the loss of your childhood. I mean, that's a big loss. Right. Like, I felt like I was raising my, my sisters, you yeah. know? Like, like you say, when you had to get your little brother and that's, I mean, my even my younger sister, she say, all my memories I have is with you. I don't mm. really have many memories with my mom, you know? Wow. And I was like, yeah, because I was there all the time. Nice. Unwillingly, but I was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Diana, um... Is is are you comfortable talking about your childhood? Is there is there anything you don't want to talk about? Um. No, I can talk about it. I can yeah. talk about it in a way. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. Because I don't believe in you know. For me, it's I don't want to tell anybody else's story. So okay. it's kind of like that whole thing of this happened and about that I feel. So I was molested and about that I feel and here's how it affected me. Okay. Instead of telling about that person because I still hold that hope I still pray I still pray for them Um, I don't believe that their um, intent was vicious or 
um, anything like that. But how, it still hurt. How old were you when when you were my? Ministry? I think it was like age four to about twelve. Oh wow! Yeah, that's yeah. a long time. Yeah, so it's um, and what a therapist had told me, you know, she's you know a- after getting to know her, she said, you know, it's not so much the act; it's what you told yourself about who you are. Mm. That's the Ooh. thing. That's the damage. And um, that made sense I to me. I think that's always the damage right. with the everything. Yeah, right? Because it's like a little child says, there's something wrong with me wow. that this would happen to me. Right. You know, because then I see other girls at school and I think, they look like they're loved. They look like they're cared for. I must inherently be bad. There must be sure. something bad about me that attracts this, you know? Right. And children, they, we hear that all the time, right? Kids blame themselves sure. for everything. Sure. Um, for their parents' divorce, for their... For right. being traumatized, you right. know, oh, it's something, you know, and it's such nonsense. And I think that's the beginning of all of the damage. Bottomly left. As a child being right. left alone to define themselves based on other people's behavior. Right. You know. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. So that was also then a trigger for the drinking, the numbing. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had, um, I had buried all that, like. Those memories didn't come to me until I first started getting clean. Now, I knew it happened to my sister because I oh. discovered it and I told and nothing was really done. I was just going to say, were, yeah. did you tell? I did. I told. But, you know, it's weird to me that I could tell for on behalf Her. of my sister, but I had buried it even happening to me. I There was something in me that just shoved it way down. And then when I got um, sober or I got clean and... I started having these memories, and I was only like 30 or 60 days clean, and I prayed, like, God, look, if this happened, I don't need to know. I'm like, God, please look at me. I'm doing good. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, uh, like a little yeah, girl it's begging. too hard. It's too I, painful. And I think we do that. Uh, we, we bury things because we don't, you know, we don't want to know. I don't, like, yeah. and more with drugs, at least with me, there is sometimes over there when... It happened to me that I I blame myself and I was an adult and I was like well because I did too many drugs I was too high if I wasn't so high that wouldn't happen no I mean regardless what I was it shouldn't have happened and it's you know and it wasn't until I did my first inventory that my sponsor was like no you were great and I'm like wait what she's like yes and I'm because I'm telling her this story because I wrote it down and I was like, yeah, but I did so much GHP, and that's, you know, and I passed out, and that's, that's why. And she's like, no, that's not, that's not, that's you know, not and why. I was like, and I, my mind was blown. I was like, oh my God, how many years, like, have I, and I was an adult, drunk, drunk you know? A drunk girl does not create a rapist. Right, but. He was already right, a rapist. Right, right. but I'm thinking, it's my fault because I did. I did the drugs, right? So that's why he raped me. So I, as a kid, I can't even imagine if I, as an adult, you know, and everything was so foggy still, yeah, right? And I watched this movie, they call The Sinners. So this girl, she kills this guy. And, um, and then long story short, you know, cause I was so fascinated by it. She had like buried 
all these things that had happened to her and her sister. Mm -hmm. That's why I remember because it was like, oh my God, it's just like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> With your story. And she had buried, so this, she did all like this psychological treatments while in jail, in prison, in jail or whatever. And they started to discover like slowly as she was getting help and healing, you know, she's starting to remember. And once you say that, I was like, that is so true because I don't think God gives us too much where we can't handle. So, yeah. you know, when I prayed and asked, I said, please, God, not now. And the memory stopped. And then they came back years later when I relapsed. And then I went back out and then I was drinking. And then I was trying to cope with all of it. But I never had a time in my life where I, I wanted to be out of my own skin. It felt like craziness and mayhem within my own flesh. And I could, there was nowhere to go. There wasn't enough alcohol to drown it. There was, wow. I mean, it was, it was that time. It was like, okay, like nothing's going to work on this except facing it, you know, and right. accepting it. Because I never wanted to accept it. I was like, okay, you know, it's, I'm one of those like, yeah, yeah, like let's, let me keep it moving because I can't, if I can't do anything about it, if there's, if I can't control it, I didn't want anything to do with it. So that was something I couldn't control the past. So I wanted to just not deal with it. You're bringing me. You got me. <laughs> yeah. You got me. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel I feel you on that. I um, if you can't control it, there's that is mm. that gets me every time. So yeah, it gets me every time because um. What you said about just not having enough alcohol to fill that void, it, uh, I can I can relate. I I had a s experience when um, my daughter was molested as um, when she was eight to ten, and um, we found out when she was ten years old, and um, we had the man prosecuted, but. Um, because there was no physical evidence, um, it's a long story, and I, and I'm happy to get into it at another time. But um, he was convicted of um, of a lesser crime, and um, he was not convicted of anything that I was very happy with, and. Um, and the day he was convicted, I sat in the state's attorney's office and um, I cried and I, I said to her, I said, I, th I thought I would feel better. I just thought I would feel better because I, I thought after the year long process, I thought I would, um, I thought I would feel better. I thought, oh, it would be over. And I thought after all this fighting of pushing it forward and me being super mom and you know all these things that it would be better and it wasn't better and I didn't feel better and I I felt numb and um my friend Kathy who is one of the best people on the earth um she was with me and um we went to McDonald's and got a sweet tea because that's what you do and you get french fries and um and then we went to the liquor store and got a bottle of vodka and drank some sweet tea and poured the vodka in and um 
and I never got drunk that day because there was not enough booze to equal out the pain. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I couldn't not you, I, I couldn't numb the pain. Yeah. There was no numbing that pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and I, I think didn't. That happens too because you were in, in fight mode, right? That yeah. whole time up until that, right? It's all fight. Like you're going to court. There. So the mind is like in fight. Right? Yeah, so the adrenaline. Fight, flight. And all of that. So then when it's done, it's like, that's not preoccupying your mind anymore. So now there's the feelings. Right? Yeah. So like when I'm in fight mode, I'm not feeling anything. I'm in fight. We're mm. getting court. We're doing this. Then when it's over, then it's like, oh, there's all those feelings that I didn't feel while I was yeah. in fight mode. So how long then did your relapse last? So back then I thought that it was only cocaine. That was my only problem. <laughs> so... Clean and sober for a year, then moved back to Vegas. I lived somewhere else, got back here, and still was clean and sober. I didn't drink because they said, you know, no mind-altering substances. So, um, but I never thought, oh, alcohol isn't my problem anyway. But then I was out with some people after work, and I ordered a drink. And my friend, who she's known me for many years, she said, are you sure you want to do that? So I had a pause, had an opportunity, I said, and drinking was never my problem. Well, I found out quickly that it was. And for me, it was just this portal to hell. <laughs> because within a week or two, oh, well, there's, oh, look, oh, that person uh, uses cocaine? Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Well, it's like, you know, it makes me think there's this part in Second Peter in the Bible that I love. And it so reminds me, this part of scripture reminds me of relapse. And it's something to the effect of... Um, let me see. I want to get it right. So let me get this right. And it's one of the ones I save, but it might take me a minute to pull it up. Yeah, pull it up. Okay. Um, Here's but yeah, that relapse oh probably lasted for about because six I think years. we were talking. We talked oh, about six this. Years. We talked yeah. about this on the last episode. If you don't relapse on your drug of choice, then you're okay, right? <laughs> because it's not something that. It's your problem anyways. You're just doing it because, you know, you just want to relax maybe or just have fun or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people think that. As yeah. long as it's not your drug of choice, then you're fine. That was, yeah, that was my thinking about it. But it was, what it happened was when I picked up that drink, everything else came flooding in. Almost immediately. The drugs were there. I was like... And it's everything they say about relapse. Like they say, like when you go back, it becomes worse faster. So it's so true. It's we true just, in my case. Anyway. I think we just talked about that last time too. I think everybody that has been on this podcast since we started, which is so many people, like three. <laughs> everybody, I think, has said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Every time I relapse, I lost things quick, quicker oh. than. You know, comes back ten times faster. Right, every time. You know, so it's true, people. I found it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, what does Second Peter say? It's Second Peter, two twenty to twenty-two. Says, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The last state is become worse with them than the first. 
Mm. For it were better for them not to know, have known the way of righteousness or the way of sobriety in my case, right. than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered unto them, which in my case was, Diana, it's over. God told me that. And then it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog turning to his own vomit again and the sow that had washed to wallowing in the mire. To me, mm. that is everything about relapse. It's like... When I asked God to relieve the obsession, it was lifted. And when, you know, when I first, you know, after being back out there for six years and I prayed, I, you know, would beg God. And I said, uh, you know, one day he just said, Diane, if you keep going down this road, you're on your own. And I knew, all right, it's done. And so I hightailed it to a 12-step meeting and then I got clean and sober, like, and that was it. There was no relapse after that. Really? That was 12 years ago. And that was Congratulations. God. That was awesome. God, you know, and so that's, you know, when a friend of mine, she um, said that Jesus healed her of it, and so she can have a glass of wine once a year. And that's none of my business. But for me, I made, I thanked God. I said, thank you for this gift. I will never give it back to you. And... Um, so that's my commitment, and that's what it, I, I think that I just connect with that part of Scripture so much. Cause it really I love is. that Scripture. Yeah. I wrote it down. It's like, I want to be a dog returning to my own vomit. Right? <laughs> oh my God, what a gross knowledge, but anger. that's perfect. I wish I could remember that with my anger. I wish I could think of my anger as vomit, because like, I return to that. That's that drug of choice. You know, <laughs> it's awesome. funny because... So I think the thing that is stuck with me in this is that you were obedient, right? Yeah. Because with me, I felt God, well, looking back, you know, God was knocking and showing me by arrests and by all kinds of ways, you know, I can see it now. And I was just not being obedient. I was not even thinking about God, to be honest. I just blamed God for everything that was wrong. My drug dealer is not there. Oh, it's all God's fault. Because, you know, like, I mean, I swear to God. That's that's how it went. You know, that's it's crazy. So I wasn't, I just wasn't obedient. I, I wasn't seeing. Like, my, my I consider myself such an open-minded person. I've always have. You know, I'm, I'm open-minded. I'm cool. You know, and I was never so blind. So, like, like I was so blind at that day because I see now so perfectly what God was trying to do in my life. And and, and I had so many opportunities to turn my life around Mm -hmm. if I wanted to. And I just, I didn't even pay attention to that, you know. I just, so it's just funny to me Yeah. how... How you say that? Because you know, I I can relate, and I love that scripture so much. You yeah, know? the year before I got sober, I remember like, I mean, I could not find drugs, like other than Las Vegas. Really? What? I could not. I'm like what? <laughs> this is like, that's funny. But that was like God shutting the doors. Like you're gonna get right. this eventually. All the doors were closing, and I just remember, you know, like when He put that on my spirit and just said, "You keep going." And I knew he wouldn't abandon me because I don't believe God would ever abandon me. But I knew what he meant. And I think it's always amazing when um, God or the Holy Spirit speaks to you in a way that, like, speaks to me in a way I'll get. Like, I'll understand. And it's like, that I understood and it cut through all my mind chatter. 
I was like, oh. Okay. And it stuck, right? Yeah. I was like, How did you find Celebrate Recovery? <laughs> um, well, I, I've explored a lot of different ones, and I often different wondered church? what... Different Different, like, recovery. Oh. Like, um... Programs. Yeah, I wonder how God would kind of use all that, but my first was um, for alcohol, and then from there I went to one that addresses the inner child, and um, it's, uh, like, about being an adult child and what that means, and I learned a lot there. I went from alcohol to, I found a, a church that was New Thought, and that had value, but it wasn't the total story, so it taught things like, you know, my perceptions creating my world. And then from there, God took, you know, and between all of these, I would pray. I'd say, okay, God, where's my tribe? Where's my tribe, you know? And then I'd be led to the next thing. So I was led to the New Thought, church and I think God sent me there not for that to be the total truth of um, religion but to teach me that I have a choice in my thinking that I can choose thoughts and um, you know so there was a lot there about taking responsibility for my experience of life and um, so that was good prep and then I prayed because I knew something about that because it's that whole abundant manifestation but it's a very self-centered way to think. There's no surrendering to God in that. But there's still a lot of valuable, kind of the equivalent of, I would say, um, self-help, you know, that kind of information. Yeah. But then I, there was something in me that was stirred up, like, no, oh, there's something, this isn't... Missing. Something's missing here. So I prayed, and then I was led to the adult children information and about the inner child and how um, all the abuse and... Um, there's religious abuse, there's um, physical, you know, sexual, all kinds. And then I hit a wall there and I prayed. And I think what left, made me leave that was I, they talk about a higher power, but I couldn't feel free to say mine was Jesus or God. Oh, that wasn't because a religious. People get up in arms about that a little bit. And so, so, so that thought, was well, secular also? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I thought, well, that's weird. You guys people they can make a doorknob their higher power but I can't mm -hmm. say Jesus but right. then I think about like that's right you know the world hates Jesus I mean so it made sense to mm -hmm. me and I thought I can't park it here anymore and um, this isn't for me and then I, I remembered CR and I just kind of wandered in on my own and uh, came in and a step study was starting like within a couple weeks so I signed like okay yeah I'm in and then Next thing I know, I'm like, oh, I'm getting baptized, and I mean, I'm like doing that Easter service. I like came in like an addict, like yeah, do, yeah, 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 and then I hit, Just and then I scared everything. myself, and so I, I then I laughed because I was like, you know, it, it was too much, too, too much, soon. too soon, yeah. But then I came back, uh, gosh, about a year or so ago, I think, maybe about a year. I noticed that about you too. Yeah. Yeah. Where you were gone for a while. Yeah. And I was glad to see you back. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It was yeah. good to come back. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good to see you back. I, I love how, as you're talking, even though it wasn't for you, you still learned from, from every situation, every program, or, or everywhere you went, you learned something. You know, and I think and that was God working though, because God, He knows me better than I know myself. He knew the way to bring me home, and He knew it wasn't a direct line. 
because I would deny it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't come straight to a Christian church, not with my background and upbringing. Right. God's just brilliant. He's like, okay, you go here, you're going to go here, you're going to learn this, you're going to learn this, you're going to learn this, and you're going to come home. Right. Yeah. That is so good because it's so true. Right. You know, the, God's timing is just... Oh, it's like, always perfect. I, I would have never gone to that Celebrate Recovery best place to be on a Wednesday night <laughs> in jail if I knew it was like religious stuff and I walked in there and the only reason I went it's because my friend in there she said they play music I was like sold I'm there <laughs> seven o'clock you know I was I was on a 23 hour lockdown so I was like what am I gonna do anyways <laughs> I don't have any plans that's you know? how we got in your spirit too it's and like, I got in there music. and like that'll get rocked that's there. how we met that's how Raphael and I met in jail was in jail because yeah. oh, I, I was in jail volunteer. and she was volunteer yeah. let's put that out there yeah. <laughs> Barb wasn't in jail I mean she went you know what I mean but that was my um, favorite thing to do was to go into the jail and my sponsor, I yeah. met her there too. Yeah, she's her. gonna be on our podcast too. I'm super excited Yay. about that. I even cleaned my house for her, and she <laughs> and she had to reschedule. <laughs> she doesn't know um, that. I got a question for you. Uh-huh. If you could do anything, this is a step study question. It's actually my favorite step study question. Okay. Um, if you could do anything in life and knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? Um. Uh, it would be definitely um, therapist. I often wished I had went for psychology and psychiatrist. So, yeah, that would be it. Oh, I think I you would be so good at that. Yeah. The way you speak and it's so soft and comforting. And I always wanted to do a, a recovery channel. Like, and I think there's enough material in recovery to fill 24-7 programming. That, wow. That's another thing, I think. There is. Mm-hmm. I think you're giving me, like, like <laughs> chills. Like, I'm just, like, blown me away. So I'm good. so blown away by you. I have a, I have a question. What do you consider <laughs> the worst thing that happened to you or, or during, before you come into recovery? Like, what, what was... Hmm. The, like during not, not, your during your run yeah during run, your life and gun you know days. like before before recovery like no I, I think well while I was using um, one thing that kind of I remember one time I had uh, used a whole lot and I was laying in bed and I thought I felt half of my body go numb I was ice cold and I remember I had roommates and I was thinking I might be dying right now. Like, I was just really, like, in this... I could get up and go tell one of my roommates, but I thought... And I remember talking, like, God, if this is it, then I'm ready to go. I think that was probably... It's not, like, the worst thing, but it was... Something that's the scariest thing. It felt very close. It felt way closer than anything else. I really, you know, felt surrendered to just... Die. And I'm, I look back on that and I think, or, and if I would have killed myself as a teenager, I think how much I would have missed. And, um, you know, I think how awful that would have been to drop, to die a drug addict, you know, like I just thought that would be, cause that's, that would be kind of the summary of a whole life. 
And I think that now about recovery, it's like after everything I've been through, I don't want to go out that way. I want to help. I want to serve. I want to, I just don't want to go out that way because then all that struggle would have been for nothing if I just died an alcoholic or a drug addict. I say that too. Like I say that, like if I, if I were to die tomorrow, I want someone to say she helped so many people. Yeah. You know, just don't say anything else about me. Just say, she helped somebody. Yeah. That's all, like, that's all I want this to do. Yeah. Just help somebody. Yeah. You know? Just, just be able to help somebody. So then all that struggle, it, yeah. it, it amounted to something. Yeah. It wasn't just like, I had a lot of pain. I had, because that was the path I was on. I'm in pain, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. I'm just going to die in pain. Yeah. And what was the whole, what was all that for? Yeah. If it doesn't turn into a benefit Absolutely. for others. Yeah, so totally. true. Yeah. You know, at um, at first, when I first got out, um, I didn't I didn't talk too much about. It. I I did I went to CR, but I didn't talk like on social media or anything about. Obviously, everybody knew sort of because I. You didn't hide it. I didn't I didn't lie about it, but I wasn't upfront about it, mm-hmm. like yeah, forward about it, right, and. Um, and then as time passed, I'm like, if anything, I'm, I'm proud, you know, I'm proud to be where I was mm-hmm. and be where I am today. And if people can look at my story and be like, she did it, I can do it too. Because I remember when I was getting off pills, I would watch, I, I withdraw by myself for months. It was awful, the worst ever. I never did those pills again because of it because I was in so much pain I lost weight it was just terrible and um, every time I thought I was gonna die I would put this movie on of Ray Charles right when he withdrew from heroin mm-hmm. and I would put it on repeat and I'm like if he did it I can do it you know yeah. I can do it so I want maybe somebody to look like she did it I've been there I've been to jail many times I, I tried to commit suicide I was depressed I OD'd or whatever and, and be able to relate and like, well, she's not there no more. She's here and, and, and she's talking about it and I can relate to this. If she did it, I can do it, you know? Yeah. So that was the thing with me. I was like, we all have pa- a past. We all have something. Maybe it's not drugs. Maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe it's not recovery. You know, everybody has something that they not, they're not proud of. Mm-hmm. And... The good thing I think is if I would go back, I'll do it all over again to be where I am today with the knowledge mm-hmm. I am today, know God the way I know today and the relationship I have with him today, have my family, my son, and, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blink. Mm-hmm. I would do it all over again yeah. to be where I am today, you know? So I, I won't do it again. Now that I know better, I want to be the best version I can be, you know, and shine light on people's life and just, and just, you know, live my life the way, the best way I can, the healthiest way. I want to be healthy. I want to do good, you know, and I want to lead my son by example. I want him to look at me and like, I don't do this because my mommy doesn't do it, you know, and, um, so we want to give you an opportunity to um, to speak to maybe somebody who's struggling, mm-hmm. um, 
or somebody who's new in recovery, um, just give them some hope. Because we're all about speaking love and spreading hope. So what can you say to somebody who's um, either new in recovery or struggling right now? Um, what can you say, tell them? I would say if you're new in recovery, um, is that you're worth recovery. That's number one, is knowing that you're worth it and you're worth the effort. Um, and for me, going into recovery, uh, those first times in the rooms, I hated everybody. But I loved myself enough to sit in that seat and to do what I needed to do to recover. And that's, to me, the pivotal point, because that was, if you're new, there's gonna be a lot of people you have to say no to. You have to, you have to choose yourself. Mm. And yes. I had to choose myself, I had to, you know, I, uh, drug dealer call, sorry, I'm, I'm in recovery. You know, friends would call that I, you know, used with, Sorry, I can't talk to you right now. I don't blame you for my use, but I can't talk to you. Yeah. So I had to choose myself. And to me, if you can do that, you know, every day, to me, God was... All I knew in that beginning was that God wanted me clean and sober. He wanted me to have a healthy and vibrant life. So if you're new, just give that to yourself. And just keep trying. Like, don't give up. You know, just keep, keep it up. Because you're worth it. Like, you have... There's, to me, recovery is like being a pioneer and discovering parts of yourself you didn't even know were there. I love that. Totally. It, it's all about discovering these pieces. I mean, it, like, right. Yeah. And I tell my, it's funny because I tell my sponsors all the time, I'm like, it's okay for you to be a little selfish and think about yourself. Yeah. The first year, as, long, as long as it takes, it's okay to work on yourself. It's yeah. okay to say no. And... If people are not okay with it, that's okay too. Yep. You know? Totally. So. That's such a good thing to say, especially to somebody new, is that the selfishness and self-centeredness, which is the core of, you know, addiction, can actually be an asset in those early days. Right. So Absolutely. use it and, uh, yeah. Wow. And use whatever it takes. So good. Yeah. That's great. I think I stayed sober out of spite for a certain time. <laughs> God knew me, and God's like, all right, she's got spite. We'll use that, too. Whatever, you know. That's <laughs> great. All right, well, we are going to play our game, ah. and we are going to finish up. Um, this is my favorite part. <laughs> I know. Raphael is rolling your eyes at me. But whatever. Yeah, it's um, dark in here. You cannot even see my eyes. I can we'll see We'll do the light on the phone. Um, <laughs> I got old lady So, um, you're going to pick um, three cards, one of each color. Oh. Um, the colors mean nothing. But, um, yeah, there's a purple, <laughs> a pink, and a green. Okay. And, um, yeah, you can give them to me. Okay. And we're going to read them for you. All right. And just take one. Do you need light? How pink? I know you want your pink. Um... And then Even though my favorite color is purple, yeah. though. Oh, well, you want the purple one? Oh, they're big. She's so extra. Oh, uh, I'm so not. Okay, okay. let's go. Okay, uh, go. What is your... That should have been yours. Okay. What is See? your Easter Starbucks order? Uh, um, well, when I'm trying to save money, it's iced coffee with uh, three pumps of vanilla. Okay. There you go. That's my cheap drink. My cheap Starbucks. I do bad. black it's coffee. You're a black coffee? Or matcha. Oh, That's it. I'm plain too. I'm a ice cream tea, three splendor. You just said I'm no extra. Plastic. Now you say I'm plain. <laughs> I, go between uh, I have a lot extra. of things I could say right now. But I'm not got it. 
Um, okay, hot pink, you ready? What movie character would you choose to be your parent and why? Oh, that's a good question. Tommy had a good one. But oh I'm my gonna... goodness, that one's good. Um, let's see. Who? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Why has no one come to me right now? Um, I would say... Not Joan Crawford. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. We, no. no, just kidding. That would be a bad one. Um, I would have to say, I guess, and she's not much older than me, so it's weird, but probably like Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah. Somebody wise. I, I like wisdom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I like her. Oh, I, I knew you would like her. Oh, I love her. Who did you guys pick? Um, oh, I don't know. Um, I like Susan Sarandon. <gasps> she's great. Yeah. 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 She's yeah. And she's an activist. And I yeah. kind of like. She's got, oh. bit, she's got a little bit of spunk. Uh, yeah. She's a little spunky. Yeah. yeah. She's I have spunky. no clue because I'm not even from this country, so I don't have many knowledge of. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. This is a would you rather? Uh -oh. <laughs> These are my favorite. Okay. Would you rather have cotton balls, cotton balls for hair, or corks for teeth? Cotton balls for hair. Yeah, me too. Oh totally. yeah, I could work with that. Totally. <laughs> I can make oh, cotton balls so for hair. There's so much we can do. Yeah. Glitter, teeth, yeah. some glitter color. Yeah, totally. Wow. Okay. I think I think we had a time. I think we passed the time, which yeah. is great because we had such. I know it was awesome. This is so good. It was your story. It's so amazing. Here, God's good. God's good all the yeah. time. All the time. I'm so glad you came here and told us a story. I'm sure you help and impact so many lives. I am sure of it. And I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you too doing this. This is so helpful to a lot of people who... I like this because people can listen in and discover, like hear about recovery without walking into a room full of strangers. Right. I love that. That's, that's one of the so reasons we're doing it. You know, eavesdrop. It's good. Go ahead and eavesdrop on a podcast because that'll help. Recovery is possible. If yeah. We all did it. We you all can do it, too. Totally. Yeah. Everybody can do My it. My favorite part um, about this, um, just before we go, is really... Diana, I just really want to say is my favorite part is um, that everything you said today was how you, you brought everything back to God. How you... How you prayed about everything. You went to this group and then you prayed about it. And then you went to that group and you prayed about it. And you even went to CR and then you left and you prayed about it. And you came back and you prayed about it. And 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 it's okay. Yeah. You don't have to stay at one group. I've been to many groups. But you know, I've come back and I I'm at CR and I love it. It's my ministry and and I'll be here for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I know I'll be a part of CR for the rest of my life. And but it's it's about God. It's not about where, you know, what ministry you're at. Yeah. It's about it's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what moves me most about your story. Yeah. And so I really thank you for that. Well, thanks. And I hope anybody who's listening who doesn't have like I did didn't have a story of religion or knowledge of Jesus. I would say don't let religion intimidate you. Start talking yourself. That's what I did. I was alone by myself in the apartment. I had no religious training. I just started praying and I heard back. 
and I believe that God's knocking on everyone's door, and if you talk to him, he will talk to you. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, Everyone, I really just want to remind everyone to remember to focus on the um, similarities. Not the differences. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's Recovery 201 Podcast. And send us your stories, please, at recovery201podcast at gmail.com. And I think that's it for today. Yeah. I'm Rafaela. And I'm Barb. We'll see you soon. One love.